Hello and welcome to The Leap of Faith. This week, over 50 world leaders travelled to Jerusalem to participate in the 5th Annual World Holocaust Forum, marking 75 years since the liberation of the Auschwitz concentration camp. The gathering this year comes against the backdrop of rising global anti-Semitism and deadly attacks against Jews. The National Holocaust Memorial Day commemoration takes place in Dublin every year on the Sunday nearest the 27th of January. That's this weekend, the Mansion House. This week too is the week of prayer for Christian unity. This year's theme, They Showed Us Unusual Kindness, is taken from Acts 28.2 and draws on the story of St Paul finding safety in Malta after a shipwreck. The resources of the week were prepared by members of the different churches in Malta. Well, back to this evening. And joining me in the studio tonight is the very Reverend Father Brian Shorthall. He's a member of the Capuchin Franciscan Order and parish priest at St. Francis of Assisi Church in Priorswood in Dublin. He's also the author of two books, Tired of All the Bad News, and more recently, Sending Positive Vibes. He describes himself as an aviation geek, Manchester United fan, and an emeritus breakdancer. Brian, welcome to The Leap of Faith. Your book, and we're going to talk about that from the get-go, um, yeah. sending positive vibes. You took a bit of a risk because when people get nostalgic, mm. there's a danger of, you know, falling into kind of a sickly sweet area. You didn't do that. And, and I want to talk about the idea mm. that you've managed to capture a lovely period of time in yeah. your life and I think mm. in, in, in the life of people who were around at the same time as yourself. Just through the telling of the story about your grandparents. Yeah. Share that with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... One of the big parts of my life, because family is big for me, but my grandparents, I had a great relationship, more with my maternal grandparents than my my, my paternal, than my granny Greta and granda. Who, um, I lost my my granda. Uh, uh, my dad's dad died in seventy seven, a few weeks after Elvis Presley died, actually. And I, I don't have huge memories of gr- granda. We called him, uh, except that he kind of come to the door when we'd arrive there on a Sunday and he'd lift us up and his byline was up, 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 up and this kind of idea of I can't lift you you're getting so heavy guys you know mm. so so they were very much parts of our life of, uh, of my formative years you know and again as I said everything everything in my childhood would be very powerfully connected to Nana and Grandpa and Granny Greta and Granda and a lot of affection and a lot of love ah yeah absolutely no um of course, I didn't know, uh, like, a- adults, my, my, my mom and, and, and her sisters, um, you know, they would have had, a, obviously, a different relation to, to, to their mother, to my nana. Mm. And, like, but, but, and, and they would have had an adult relationship with, with nana and, and so on. And they would have seen, I suppose, a, a different side of, because they were their mother. But for us, she was, a, she was a wonderful nana. And she loved the grandchildren. She doted on us, like, and, and it spoiled us. And, and maybe my mom wouldn't have been too keen sometimes on us being spoiled but she she just spoiled us and like if my mother gave out to us you know and maybe rightly so Nana go ah Bernie ah Bernie would you leave them ah and there was that lovely kind of dynamic you know Did your grandmother that you mentioned there get to know of your vocation? Oh she did and she was she was chuffed Uh, she was chuffed I mean one of the happy bittersweet memories I have of her was like, I, I think the genesis of my vocation, obviously I, I played at saying mass as a kid. <laughs> nuns to me were had no kind of gender. So dressing up as a nun, which I did, and I'll frankly admit that, <laughs> my nana made me a habit on a veil. And uh, because it was just a 
a dressing up thing yeah. more than a, a you know there was no for me like I didn't know as a kid nuns were girls and priests were boys mm. it was the at the Dracula cape sometimes or it was the Superman suit sometimes or it was the nuns habit and I, I dressed up as, as as nuns and priests and pretended the same ass and that is for anybody who, who kind of knows about religious vocations that can be a sign in a, in a child of a vocation um, Nana used to talk to me about Padre Pio. I didn't know who Padre Pio was. Mm. He just looked like this old man. Oh, he's a very holy saint, you know. And Padre Pio had died in 68. So, and obviously before he died, there would have been a, a, a sense of, you know, that, that this, he was well known even in, in towards the end of his life and all. And when he died and pictures started coming out of him and the cause for his canonization started to grow and... Mm. One of my great memories of Nana was bringing me up to the Irish office of Padre Pio on Dufferin Avenue, which was up around the corner from our house. And the two of us linking each other. And me and my habit, because she was mad mad about me dressed in the mm-hmm. habit. And I brought her up and we she she venerated the, the mitten, the glove of Padre Pio. So it's a little happy memory I have of her, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, like grandparents of my Nana's generation, you know, it was a, it was a real feather in the cap for somebody in the family to go on for the priesthood a real feather in the cap it's a bit of a responsibility to carry as well I mean that, mm. where does that fit in with at some stage a man turning around and going am I doing the right thing well my mother in fairness to her never stopped me um, but I'd say in hindsight she would have liked it because I was probably I mean, I was only 18 I mean I didn't mm. know B from a bull's foot mm-hmm. um, it was the right thing for me to do but maybe if it was if she had had more Influence mm. probably she would have encouraged me to go out and work and maybe grow up a bit. I met that with a couple of girls in those summers before I joined, but um, you know, I mean, it was. I think it was. It was in. Look, I was full of it. I needed. To, I, I. I. I joined. Um, but ma'am, it wasn't. A, it certainly wasn't a mother's vocation. She wasn't that mad about me going away at, at at eighteen years of age. And I mean, she 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 didn't she didn't discourage it in the sense that she didn't say, look, um, don't do it. Um, there was seven of us, so I mean, I was the first and all. But she didn't, uh, she didn't encourage it either. She she didn't, um, she didn't think it was a great idea. Nana, you know, being a grandmother and, and Granny Greta, the two grandmothers, you know, it was certainly probably um, more of a, a privilege for them because that was the kind of generation they came from, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's, a, it's all a mystery really in a sense looking back. There's plenty of mystery in the yeah, whole book altogether, is, so you yeah, look at the subject is. overall. But I, I want to go back to the message that you've signed up to. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 core belief. Yeah. You know, and if you were to strip it down into a into a couple, yeah. which is the uh, the idea of an afterlife, the idea yeah. of a of a god, the idea mm. of a, the son of God. Mm. How how has that gone for you, that journey? Overall, I uh believe okay I believe okay uh, and the reason why I say that is because I don't lock myself away in in terms of uh, following my own sort of authority or my own counsel I, I say it in the book I, I say it in both books actually I, I am very committed to and I'm very reliant on pastoral supervision which is a professional relationship with a, with a supervisor mm. who has a counselling qualification. And I pay the going rate. And I'm also uh, very committed to and very reliant on what they call spiritual direction, which is, again, somebody who is uh, trained in the behavioural sciences but has a particular qualification in 
spirituality and in interpreting, I suppose, the call of the spirit or the, the, the stirrings of the spirit in the directee. And I, and I pay the going rate for that. And there has been a, a period in my life where I went to some counselling. Mm. Um, in the face of what, for example, the child sexual abuse uh, uh, um, fallout was doing in my life and, and, and to, to, to clergy like me mm. and so because I was trying to find my power to stand tall in the face of that because it, it really did it really did take take the, the, we, the, we rarely the, hear that addressed the uh, you know uh, the, the priests that were you know not involved in yeah, any way yeah. with that but mm. yet were hugely affected by it it was it, 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 it was and is still quite difficult uh, because there's no excuse for us. There's, you know, and the real, the, the, we all suffered, but the, the, the people with the deepest suffering are, are the survivors. Um, and, I, you know, we must never forget that. Uh, the, the survivors who have, who have been crucified by, mm. by you know, as, as little children and as young children and as young people by, by abusive clergy in in, 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 mm. in in the case of you know clerical sexual abuse um, but for for people like me who are at the coal face it has been it has been very difficult I mean what does it mean and it, like you know it means like being guard vetted you know fairly regularly mm. it means being child safeguarding trained fairly regularly it means as a parish priest making sure that people who are involved in parish life are child safeguarding trained and guard vetted it means that there's a diary in the sacristy it means that there's posters and signs on the wall uh, saying you know I- I addressing the fact that there is protocols here and, and that we take it seriously and you know that we are accountable and that the National Board for Safeguarding Children in the Catholic Church and also each diocese aim to be second to none in, in implementing that it also means uh, that we are always conscious that there are survivors, uh, you know, in every anyone area. you could be talking yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. Can have and been we, affected and by. We must yeah. be very careful. Uh, and 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 that, by the way, is is is, is only right. And mm. um, so it it it's hard work. It's hard work, and again, but it's vital work, Michael. You mm. know, I mm. mean. Uh, and it it does it stresses it stresses me out that you know that that and, and one of the so somebody said to me one time what's your biggest fear my biggest fear is the day I have to say mass for my parents when they die you know the second biggest fear and at times it can ebb and flow is being falsely accused of sexual abuse because once mm. that happens that's the end and it has there's no way in back the, in this country there's no way back mm. once, once you're accused of, of mm. once somebody makes an accusation against you um, you're gone you're out. Um, and but now, and one of our friars actually asked one of the designated liaison persons a question like that, you know why 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 is this the case? Why are they moved? And his answer was, well, until we have a better way of handling all this, this is the best way to ask that these guys are moved aside while an investigation is is, is underway. Um, because we have to be accountable to, to to the people who are who are hurting and who are who have been victims in but this. What kind of internal dilemma does that set up for you? Where on the one hand you want to preach the word of God, on the other you're in fear of your reputation uh, mm. and your own personal safety. That that has to leak out ultimately in forms of anxiety or stress. Oh, it does. Of course it does. But again, you know, if I'm as committed as I can be to good pastoral supervision and spiritual direction and therapy uh, all those 
help from outside strengthen me. Mm. Um, uh, if I'm honest about my vulnerabilities and if I'm honest about my need for, you know, wise people, men and women, uh, professionals to, to kind of give me the best that I that, that, mm. the, the, uh, uh, support, then nothing will go wrong. I hope. <laughs> Going through the book, you um, you spring a bit of a surprise on the reader. You certainly caught me when, when I was yeah. reading it. Of describing suddenly becoming anxious on the altar, the equivalent of an anxiety attack. Mm. I called it panic attack and actually I wrote the, the bones of the, 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 the uh, that essay or that chapter in 2005. It was May 2005. It was the same month as John Paul II died. Um, and it was a Saturday morning and I was up praying from kind of about half eight to half nine and we'd mass at ten and uh, I was overtired. Um, I know that now and I I, I was uh, didn't sleep that great the night before and I went on to the altar and I started the mass and everything was fine until I came to the end of the gospel and I started to notice my hands were warm and sweaty mm. and I also noticed that my legs felt like they were going down they were sinking into the into the floor and that made my heart beat faster and I thought for those moments that I was ill, that I was having some kind of a, a, a physical, mm. uh, like a, a turn, a turn, yeah. or a, or a, or a, yeah. like yeah. a car. I was leading up to a heart attack or some mm. kind of a stroke. Or then, of course, that made my heart beat even faster, and I started to sweat, and I started my mouth got dry, and I gripped onto the ambo after I finished the gospel, and then I kind of decided I wouldn't say a word about the gospel I just went straight across to the altar to begin the offertory and it, it hadn't calmed down and I remember clearly thinking to myself and all these people there was only about 20 people in the in the, in the the oratory it was a small chapel um, and all these people were well I know now they, were, they weren't noticing anything and I, I remember saying quite clearly to myself I'm going to have to ask for help I'm about to collapse I'm going to ask I'm, I'm not well I'm sick please help me and then the time started to pass and then something in my head said, this is a panic attack. This is not mm. anything physical. Now, I, it, it, once I started to realise this was a panic attack, I started to kind of come around a bit. But it left me quite shook. I remember finishing the Mass and going back to the, the little sacristy beside the oratory and I remember saying to one of the friars, did you notice anything strange about me when I was at the oratory? He said, no. But it was the start of period of time a period of a couple of months of uh, soul searching and it's it was the start of a period of a couple of months of feelings that I really really didn't want to feel and thoughts I really really didn't want to think and I think the biggest uh, struggle of all uh, in that time was uh, this thing that I loved this buzz that I got from preaching and from being on the altar and being a public kind of a minister I didn't have any interest in it anymore I, I had no energy for it I was frightened by it and I was frightened and annoyed that I, I felt like that because I didn't want to feel like that and it, I took time and I got support and uh, I 
remember I just went, kind of went home and, 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 and I remember spending a lot of time at the airport by myself and I took some time with, with, with some other friar friends and that they were supportive and the time passed by and you know I started to recover I started to rest and one great turning point obviously was at, a, at a, an occasion with the friars where the, 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 the capuchin who was preaching started talking about that particular moment of panic and he told me later on that there was several friars came up to him and said I thought you were talking about me in fact he was talking about himself but it meant hey join the human race yeah you, know. you got your human race membership card I at did, that moment. I did. What brought it back for you? Because you talked there about losing that possible, uh, mm. you know, the, the joy, the, the, the pleasure of, of preaching. Uh, was there a particular event or, or something you did that, that has re-engaged you to the point where you are now? Uh, well, I, I think the experience of World Youth Day in Cologne in Germany, uh, which happened in the August, uh, I, I, we were planning to go out to that. Now, at the start of the whole period I, I would have said I don't want to go but I wasn't thinking about it but it's only when it came and it loomed and I went along and I started to kind of feel energised by a million young people with Pope Benedict as it was and energised by me me being with friars from other countries in Europe and part of the Cafe Cappuccino project which we had going at the time in mm. downtown Cologne um, and especially the energy around the f- the final mass, the World Youth Day mass on the Saturday night, the, the the ceremony, and then the mass on the Sunday. For me, that has a great ability. Those kind of occasions have a great ability to remind me why I'm doing what I'm doing, mm. um, and to help me to recommit. You know, that 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 was that was how it kind of helped me again. And I'll see time as well. Time, mm. time, time healed. Have you found yourself? Moved spiritually mm. or otherwise, when you, for example, have looked at a, the night, the, the sky at night, or a oh, sunrise. Yeah. Or, what what is the one for you? Oh, what, what, yeah. what does it for you? The mystery. I remember being taken aback um, on many occasions. That moment where it takes your breath away. I I, I remember like be, actually being up in the Phoenix Park, up at the fifteen acres, um, and walking. Um, there and this was a few years ago and just just reminding myself of when I was nine years of age at the at the nearly ten years of age uh, you know at the fifteen acres when John Paul II was there and I just caught myself kind of feeling very sort of emotionally connected to to, to I think that that was one of the moments when I decided. And I wasn't aware of it, but I'm aware of it now that that was one of the moments when maybe that made me decide to become a Capuchin priest or whatever. Like, and, 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 and that, those are moments when I, when I, when I really, pre- another moment I want to tell you about if I could, which I, I not, I don't find it hard to talk, I find it hard to talk about sometimes, but I, I think that it, 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 probably one of the most profound moments was, um, about four years ago. Um, and, and you might notice I've dedicated the book to my, Two nephews and my uh, three nieces. Um, Sam is eighteen. Louise is uh, fourteen. Uh, Jane is seven. There, my brother Kevin's three kids, and then Orla uh, is a big six, and Ross is twelve months old. And there, my sister Lauren has two kids. And Kevin is married to Tracy, and, and then Lauren is married to Peter, and and. Uh, Louise was was ill for a while. She she had leukemia, but she's she's well again, thank God. And she recently rang the bell in, mm. in the children's hospital in Crumlin, and uh, 
there was one evening I was I was in the house with Kevin and Tracy and the kids and, and Louise was going through you know chemotherapy and, and so on and uh, uh, Kevin said something like you know they, they, they were going to bed you know and I remember Kevin said and and when you get ready for bed and you get into bed Brian will come up and say your prayers with you Uncle Brian will come up and say your prayers with you so they were ready and they shouted down and up I went anyway and we sat on Sam's bed in his room and Louise came in and uh, Kevin and Tracy would have a set of prayers that they say and the the morning offering and the night prayer that we would have learned in school they've learned now they go to a Gale school but they were saying it in English for me mm. um, and they said they started off God, God our Father I come to say thank you now it's thank you for your love today thank you for my family and all the friends you give to me guard me in the dark of night and in the morning send your light but they say it God our Father I come to say thank you for my lovely day and I found that so powerful. And I, wa- I walked away and I, and I, I, I actually was crying. And I, I remember bringing it to my spiritual director and I, and I, couldn't, I couldn't really explain it properly because I was crying and I was choked up. For a little one who battled uh, and the family who battled with her, to be able to say, thank you for my lovely day. Mm-hmm. I'm still choked up by it. Yeah. I mean, that's profoundly, that is a connection. If there's no, if that isn't prayer, if that is a moment of connection with Almighty God, I don't know what is. For somebody who suffered to be able to thank God, mm. the, world is in a, the world is a beautiful place. And with all of that, you know, that inspirational moment that you've talked about there, at the same time, you may find yourself walking down the street or working with your colleague, mm. Brother Kevin, with people whose mm. life is in chaos. Yeah. Or parents of sick children where the prayer is not answered. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Tonight I was, I was in, in the house and uh, there, there four people came to the door, a mam and three young children. And, and she was explaining that she was staying in a hostel in town and that she was trying to... her. She she lived. She came. She grew up in the in the local area, and she was trying to find out when the conference of Saint Vincent de Paul would be meeting. And I was trying to kind of take some details so that mm. I could inform them and so on. And she she really looked, um, y- you know, like that she was at the end of her tether. And she was only a young woman, mm. and the children were three young children, and they were a handful. In fairness, mm. and I, I I just went away. They went away, and I I just kind of I I really felt you know so sad for for that because you, you know um i wish that that wasn't the case you know but that that's the reality of the world today and you'd often wonder like how is god answering those prayers now obviously maybe the lord maybe directed her to me or mm. to the vincents via me uh, i don't know uh, certainly there are I, I do believe that i i do believe god answers prayers i i do believe that 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 we are we human beings are are put on the earth to be the the vehicle for God to answer prayers and 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 to come. Are you allowed to get cross with God? Oh yeah, very often I get cross with God. Very often I I I, I mean, I I am I'm also involved in the I the Padre Pio office, which used to be in Dufferin Avenue, has moved to the. Capuchin Friary in Church Street and there's a great team there now and I'm the national director as well so I do some work with the relics of Padre Pio and people have huge devotion to him mm. and you know I, I get 
I, I get called at times through the chaplains of hospitals, especially the children's hospital, to come up and parents sometimes request a blessing with the mitten of Padre mm. Pio. I know, I know some people aren't into that kind of thing and, and you know, don't see any point in it. But, th- but for all the people, in fairness to them, who wouldn't be into that and who, who think that that might be, you know, taking us backwards rather than forwards, there are hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands even, who have a huge devotion to Padre Pio and who rely on his intercession mm. as a saint with, with God. And uh, I, I've I've been into it. I mean I, 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 I I've uh, sometimes it's not to be and, and and people aren't they don't get better. No lots, lots of people do. Now by the way can I just say people get better in hospitals because of the wonderful skills of the medics, surgeons, mm. nurses, mm. care staff. That's what hospitals are for. But sometimes a blessing or a prayer or the chaplains and their pastoral role also helps the person to get better as well. So let me just say that there's no uh, material, magic material in a relic or in the mitten of Padre Pio. Mm. Padre Pio's relic never healed anybody. Padre Pio's mitten or Padre Pio's habit or any saint for that matter never healed anybody. Jesus Christ heals. God heals through the, the, the prayers and the intercession of each saint, mm. you know. And, you know, also God uses the great skills of, of our medical people and so on and nursing people to, 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 to heal. Uh, and I just want to say that because and it doesn't mean mm. I don't have faith in it. Of course I do. Mm. But, you know, there's no, there's nothing magic about the mitten. I just want to say that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try a little experiment, Brian, which yeah. is to get the you to go back in time okay. to the 18 year old version of you mm. and give yourself a bit of advice for the journey ahead <sighs> to the wonderful 50 that you're not now don't be afraid of what people think of you don't be looking to some friars or some other people uh, or lecturers or clergy for affirmation look in the mirror and see how blessed you are and how how, how talented you are uh, don't be worried about things which will never happen because they won't happen um, and you'll get there and it, it, I, I, I remember um, being questioned at length in the months before I was ordained about why again I wanted to be a priest and uh, I, I remember wondering he's, he's going to tell me I'm, I'm not going to make it he's going to tell me that they've decided not to go for it and I remember the night before he the, the provincial it was came to, to meet me I remember I didn't sleep at all that night I was wound up I thought this was it I was going to have to you know he was going to tell me to mm. and it wasn't that case at all you know and hindsight is twenty twenty vision mm. so I, I tell I tell 18 year old Brian you know to not to not to be worried about that, and and all the things that maybe you're afraid of, there's no need to be afraid because it's not going to happen, and everything's going to be fine. Your first book was "Tired of All the Bad News." That was 2016. Your current book, I will call it the current one because I'm sure there's another one in you. <laughs> it's called "Sending Positive Vibes." Father Brian Shortall, thank you for joining us Thanks, on the Leap of Faith. Michael. And Sending Positive Vibes is published by Columba Books and is available in all good bookshops and online. A reminder that this Sunday in the Mansion House in Dublin, the annual National Holocaust Memorial Day commemoration takes place. We'll be discussing the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz on next week's programme. 
will also be marking Chinese New Year, taking place from this Saturday. Known as the Spring Festival, it's one of the most important traditional holidays in China. And that's our programme for this week. From our producer Sheila O'Callaghan, broadcast coordinator Gerald Holland and me, Michael Cummins, good night.